0: This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is the Conquering Columbus podcast, and I'm your co-host, Mike. If you're new here on this show, we interview people that are conquering in their respective fields with a focus on everyone who lives in and around the great city of Columbus, Ohio. Today, we're talking about climbing with Alexi Rakos, co-founder of Five Life. And early on in the show, we talk with Alexi about what first got him into climbing and why he became passionate about it.
1: I started climbing in Boy Scouts. They had an artificial wall at the camp. Uh, Some of the folks that kind of took to it, they took us out to some cliffs nearby. That was my first taste of climbing on real rocks. High school and college, I kind of just gravitated towards it became a hobby, other people play basketball or soccer, I, I started climbing. So in college was when I really started hitting it hard because I met some other climbers in school. Uh, there was a crag not too far away so we could get out and there was no artificial walls at the time. So we went out and played on the real rocks.
0: Later, we talk about some of the things that make the sport of
1: climbing unique when it comes to competition. Climbing is unique in that way is that you know there is no uh, advance. You don't have any idea what's coming. You don't get to watch anybody do it because that would be a huge advantage to see other people tackle something and be like, oh, that work. I'm not going to try that.
0: We wrap up talking about some of the things that make climbing a sport that anyone can take on.
1: And that's another thing that appeals to a lot of people when climbing is that it's a very gender neutral sport. I see a lot of couples that come in together, a guy and a girl who come out on a date or something and they both are going to be equally successful or unsuccessful if they try harder climbs, but they're both going to challenge and both going to have fun. Uh, Generally speaking, women tend to be smaller and maybe not as strong, but they're also more flexible and they've done dance and figure skating and they can tell their foot where to go and it goes there. Whereas guys, yeah, they lift weights and they play baseball, but that body control you know like wrestlers martial arts gymnasts those kinds of activities really translate getting your feet to do what they're supposed to is by far the most important thing for climbing
0: josh and i had a lot of fun talking with alexi and we hope you enjoy the interview as well that's enough for me let's get on with the show hey everybody welcome to another episode of the conquering columbus podcast this is your co-host mike here we've got josh in the booth today josh how you doing got a little liquid death over there
2: i'm good dude how are you
0: Good, good. Well, I did not expect you to just not say anything or acknowledge that I called out the I Liquid have, Death.
2: I have, I have nothing unique. I refuse to mention Liquid Death's name because they won't sponsor us. And <laughs> you just made me do it anyways. I know. And I, I know. have nothing else of value to you say to Andy you today. you want me to cut that? Andy my bracket. Cut
0: every time we said Liquid Death so people just have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> my, my bracket uh, is doing pretty well, I think. You picked literally only one upset in the first round. I was going through it. You picked Michigan and that was your only upset of the first round. Hey, did you go blue. And then I like your entire bottom bracket is like just literally done by the seating. <laughs>
2: That's because I picked my top. Bracket. I don't think it's going to work. I, I picked, don't think it's going to work out for you. long term. I picked term. my top bracket and I thought I was done. Mm-hmm. And then I looked and realized I had 64 more teams to pick yeah. through. And I was like, gosh, I got a Iowa lot really, more stuff to do.
0: Iowa really dropped the ball already. Just to give everybody some perspective on when we're recording this, Iowa lost to Richmond just now. Uh, and Gonzaga is in a battle with number 16, uh, Georgia state. So, some crazy things could be happening in March Madness, but that's enough about basketball. Uh, let's talk about our guest today. So joining us on the show today is Alexi Rakos, and he's the co-founder of Five Life. Five Life is a collection of world-class climbing facilities based in the Midwest and has been in business for 30 years in Columbus, Ohio. The first facility, Vertical Adventures, was hand-built by Alexi and Carrie Rakos with the help of their friends and opened in 1994 in Columbus, Ohio. And the business and climbing community have grown, and Five Life now runs four facilities, offering a wide variety of climbing styles, including lead, top rope, and bouldering. And their local youth climbing team competes in regional and national climbing competitions. The four facilities are Vertical Adventures, Chambers, Block Garden, and Climb Nittany. Climbing as a sport has grown significantly in recent years. And for the first time, the sport climbing was featured in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics Olympics. And uh, we're really excited to be talking with Alexi today. Learn more about Five Life climbing in general and everything he's got going on. So, welcome. How you doing today?
1: I am doing great. Beautiful weather out today. Got to wear my sandals, so excellent.
0: Excellent flip flops in Columbus. It's uh, especially in March. Isn't, yeah, uh, I'll take isn't it. Not too bad. And season. I got
1: to use the three one one Columbus mm-hmm. uh, hotline, and I got some results from it. So that was cool. Three one one. Yeah, the Columbus is kind of like information line. If you got like a pothole or something, you oh, want to. Oh. Yeah. So. I called it and talked to somebody and they solved my problem. It was great. It wasn't a pothole, but it was something else. So kind of love it when the government fixes the problems. uh, It's, it's very
0: rare, but when it happens, it's pretty nice. (laughs) Yeah, Appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk with us today. And uh, one of the first places we like to start is just do a little bit of background, right on yourself and and your story, you know, going as far back as, Hey, have you always lived in Columbus?
1: Yeah, sure. I grew up uh, suburbs of New York city, been in uh, central Ohio, Columbus for about 30 years now. Um, moved here for work, realized pretty early on that it was a pretty vibrant climbing community already here. Mm-hmm. So Carrie and I investigated opening a gym and, and, uh, kind of got the ball rolling pretty early on. So we weren't here that long before we, uh, before we got the gym open. So it was pretty cool.
0: So I got to ask right off the bat, New York city. Yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Well, there I, are not a lot of mountains. No, no. <laughs> in at those time, areas.
1: Yeah, you know, I think at the time I was pretty young and, and, uh, I was already a climber, and and the thought of just kind of getting going towards the West Coast, mm-hmm. Colorado, and and the the mountains seemed like a a good uh, stopping off point. Ohio, at least, it's part mm-hmm. way there. But um, at the time, we were also climbing in West Virginia a lot. Um, there's awesome climbing down there. When I looked at the map, I was like, "Huh, Ohio's actually not too far from West Virginia. So let's you know move to Ohio." Yeah. It's actually turned our weekend trips from an eight hour drive into a four hour drive. So okay. uh, that was really, that was probably the biggest selling point about moving to Ohio besides mm-hmm. the fact that I actually you know had a job, I had to pay the bills. And right. So,
0: yeah. No, no it makes sense. I'm just, I guess what I'm really curious about is how do you even get into climbing in the first place?
1: Uh, I started climbing in Boy Scouts um, summer camp. Uh, that was my first introduction to climbing. There are some adults in the troops and then the, in the scout camps that were climbers. And they they had an artificial wall at the camp. Uh, some of the folks that kind of took to it, they took us out to some cliffs nearby. Yeah that was my first taste of climbing on real rocks was near there near the camp. Uh, and then uh, in high school and college, I kind of just gravitated towards it. It became a hobby. You know, I, other people play basketball or soccer. i I started climbing. so, um, in college was when I really started hitting it hard because I met, met some other climbers in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a crag not too far away so we could get out and there was no artificial walls at the time. So we went out and played on the real rocks.
0: What do you think drew you to the sport, right? Like what, what, cause climbing, right. It, to me, it strikes me as more similar to some of the more individual sports, right? Like golf and other sports now, not in the physicality of the sport, but in terms of the mentality it's. You know, golf, it's you versus the course. Where same thing in climbing. It's you versus the mountain. It's kind of this, yeah. you're living and dying on your own. Yeah. Uh, on your own skill. Is, yeah, that, golf, is that what drew you to it? Yeah, well, golf's way too hard, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've tried golf. Yeah. No, not yeah. for me. I like the fact that um, there is a goal, you know, get to mm-hmm. the top or get, you know, there's some problem solving that appeals to climbers. And uh, it's not just how many, you know, who can do the most pull-ups or who can reach the farthest. Um, there's a pretty big mental component to it. There's the mental problem solving and then there's the mental fear of getting over the fear, um, being willing to take chances and and deal with the consequences if if you're having a bad day or something. So also climbing, I felt was one of the activities that uh, you put the time in, you get better. You know, so like golf is a good example. Like I tried golf and it's really hard and I didn't do lessons or anything, but I didn't feel like I was getting better. Right, (laughs) So. And then there's the community aspect. You know, climbers are, are a very welcoming community. Uh, they're usually very you know friendly, outgoing people. Uh, and there's a the social component of it. And that's probably true in a, a lot of activities. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so and there's the physicality. You know, it's it's challenging and you can push your body sometimes too hard. So lot, lots of components to it that make it what it is. So
2: and you mentioned college. Where'd you go to school at?
1: I went to RPI, a uh, small technical college in upstate New York. Kind of a geeky school, but uh, it was good. I learned a lot, and uh, like I said, there was a crag not too far. And what so exactly is a crag? A crag is just a small cliff face, not like a big mountain. Um, but so if you can imagine, maybe a road cut. You know that's not a crag, but it gives you the impression of a small cliff. Um, and so it's accessible. It's not very far away. You know, if you want to climb a big mountain, you got to go to the mountains. Whereas if you want to just get on some rocks, you can go to a a little crag and they might be 30 feet, they might be a hundred feet tall, but uh, it's a lot more accessible. Generally, when you're out at a crag, it's going to be single pitch climbing for the most part. So single pitch climbing means that you're only climbing half of the height of your rope. So if your rope is 200 feet long, you're only climbing a hundred feet and then coming down. That's a pretty common um, height for what we consider to be cragging and so bouldering is another activity that's becoming really popular because you don't need a rope. You just have a little crash pad, they call them. So it's a, a little portable mattress that you bring around you throw it down at the base of the climb and you're only climbing six, eight, 10, 12 feet high enough that you can just jump down and that's a lot more accessible and that's becoming more and more popular. Uh, and cause it's so accessible, you don't need a lot of technical skills. Uh, you don't need a lot of equipment, just a pair of shoes really, uh, a, And um, so bouldering is becoming, you know, when I started climbing, very few people bouldered um, and uh, partly just the evolution of the sport, bouldering is becoming its own thing. We operate two bouldering only facilities here in Columbus and bouldering facilities are popping up more frequently in the States because it's accessible. You can go into what we call distressed retail, which we all know about and uh, open a bouldering gym pretty easily. Still, there's you know it's not as easy as opening like a coffee shop or something, but it is a lot more accessible.
2: And so, when you first started, was there any fear behind it? Like, did you have any uh, anxiety with heights that you worked through, just because you were passionate about it, or was it just like the adrenaline? A little
1: bit of both. I think that for me, it was the learning about the systems was what enabled me to deal with the fear. So, you know, I still don't enjoy. say if I'm standing on the edge of a cliff without being hooked to anything, that's not a real enjoyable moment for me. So I don't do that. Try try not to do that. Um, But once you learn about the equipment and how robust it is and how simple everything is, then when you're, and you know, you have confidence in your setting up of the equipment, that makes dealing with that a lot easier. So, you know, I use the analogy of getting in a car, right? You don't necessarily know how the car works, right? You couldn't build a car, but it's, pretty simple. You put your foot on the gas, the car goes, you put your foot on the brake, the car stops, trying to crash into things. Climbing is pretty simple. Uh, there's some key components, um, in terms of the, you know, the equipment and things. So, uh, once you understand those kind of key, relatively simple pieces, there are sort of outlying situations that you don't control weather or, or things. But, uh, for the most part the the perceived risk is greater than the actual risk. Football's a good example lots of people play football and the the actual risk is greater than the perceived risk climbing the perceived risk is higher than the actual risk mm-hmm. so
0: so free climbing then not on not on your list of things to do
1: well free climbing is uh the terms i think get a little muddied mm-hmm. um so free climbing is what we all do uh, yeah. so free climbing is using your hands and your feet to move up the wall okay uh so free solo climbing yeah. is what you've seen in the movies mm-hmm. and you've
0: seen uh, like that recent, guy who did all Capitan. Yeah. Or, like, Honnold, that crazy yep, guy. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh,
1: you know, he's wired a little differently than yeah. the rest of us, but uh, he, he is who he is. Free soloing, climbing high without a rope. That is um what is referred to in that movie. Um And that, that's not something that I do. Uh I will go out and boulder without a rope, but I'm going to just mm-hmm. climb up not very high and either climb back down or jump down onto a crash pad. But free soloing, um, you know, it's like playing Frogger on the highway. You're just you're rolling the dice and eventually you're going to come up short. So mm-hmm. um, not a lot of, what's the saying? Uh, there are a lot of old climbers and there are a lot of bold climbers, but there are no old bold climbers. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a, a way to say, you know, you're going to come up short eventually if you right. do that enough. So yeah. So when we free climb, we use the rope for protection. Uh, you're attached to it and your belayer manages the rope for you. That's 99.999% of the time. That's what's happening. So there are some other ways to do it, but that's not real common.
0: Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you.
2: And so how, maybe this isn't like a good topic to talk about, but how common is it for people to be doing free solo? And I know that's not necessarily your style, uh, but to get it's injured pretty doing pretty
1: rare. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's sensationalized in the movies because mm-hmm. it's it's impressive and it's sensational. Uh, but there's lots of things in the movies that they make sensational that aren't real life, mm-hmm. you know, like catching an arrow. It doesn't right. work. So, uh, you know, the free solo, there are a handful of people that do it. And like I said, the mo- for the most part, they don't, unfortunately, I hate to say it, they don't live very long uh, because you make one mistake and you're done. You know, mm-hmm. with the rope, you make a mistake and you fall and your partner holds the rope and you can try yeah. it again. So yeah. it is a component of the sport that's it's kind of the dark side of the sport, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. But it's out there and some people do it. But
2: And so you were here in Columbus working and then talk to us about you have the idea to start Five Life.
1: So we started Vertical Adventures first, and uh, there was an outdoor. This is prior to internet and Google and all that. So there was an outdoor guiding school in California called Vertical Adventures that we didn't know about, and so we used the name Vertical Adventures. They had already had it, but um, as long as long as after talking to the gentleman that ran the program, he's like, "Well, as long as you don't try to open climbing gyms in California, no worries." Uh, So then we decided to. Any climbing gyms that we open after Vertical Adventures would not be called Vertical Adventures. So we started Five Life as our kind of parent company. Five Life is referring to how climbs are graded. So climbs, technical climbs are graded on the what's called the Yosemite decimal system. And so it starts with five zero and it's kind of an open-ended. So it's 5.0, 5.1, 5.2, 5.3, and it's open-ended. So I think the hardest climbs in the world right now are 5.15 or 5.15, they call it. And so five life is just a, an homage to the Yosemite decimal system and the the progression of life and continuing to uh, partake in life, I guess.
0: I kind of see a tangent into like, Hey, uh, you know, it continues to get more difficult too as you go, right? Like yeah. higher up and and life is the
2: same way, right? Like right. not always, not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, but um, I'm picturing a 515 right now, and it's giving me anxiety just thinking. I'm so scared of heights. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, I and always so, tell
1: people, just go partway up. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, def- and tie yourself to multiple ropes. You'd have to give me seven ropes to <laughs> you go partway up.
0: All
1: right, you can have three.
2: I had a hard time forcing them up, but he, he says that, but he's been bungee jumping
0: before. Yeah, I've never bungee jumped. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun, so I feel like I'd probably also enjoy climbing, but haven't done a lot of climbing, so I guess I'm curious, right? Like, when you open up Vertical Adventures, um, you said there was a good climbing community in Columbus, but was there enough of a climbing community to support that? Or did you guys kind of have to market and educate people on, on climbing and get more people to come out?
1: We were doing okay right off the bat. Um, It was, uh, you know, we were the first and only at the time, the only climbing gym in Columbus. And there was already an outdoor uh, store kind of, uh, if you're familiar with the benchmark, they're they're not around anymore, but they put up a wall in their store and uh, it was just a little, I think they had three lanes And there was a lot of people using it. And so we opened. uh, when we opened Vertical Adventures originally, I think we had 30 lanes. So 30 people climbing at once, 30 people holding the ropes at once for those 30 climbers. Uh, And then, um, yeah, it just grew by word of mouth for the most part. Uh, We didn't do a ton of marketing, but like I said, there was already a pretty vibrant community here having uh, New River Gorge and Red River Gorge nearby made it so that when people found climbing, it wasn't like they found climbing and then like, well, I guess we're going to, you know, drive 15 hours to go climb. You know, you can go, you know, you could do a day trip to either of those places. Uh, There are smaller, other smaller areas around, but most people climb on the weekends. You know, they have a job Monday through Friday. They get out of work on Friday afternoon and they drive three, four hours to Kentucky or West Virginia and they climb for the weekend and they drive home. So that's, that's a pretty typical you know, scenario for a lot of the central Ohio climbing community, so.
2: And how long until you open the second location?
1: So our original plan was that the second location would replace the first location. And so that happened seven years ago, I believe. Yeah, seven years ago. Uh, But when we opened it, we realized that it wasn't big enough. Uh, We were at the time really growing quickly. And so we kept the original location up open for a little while, as our youth program. Uh, And then once we had our other two locations open here in Columbus, Chambers and Block Garden, which are the bouldering locations, then we closed, that was also during the pandemic. So uh, we closed the original location uh, Mm -hmm. and consolidated all the youth programming into our existing, other three existing facilities. And then also during COVID, we opened Clem in State College, PA.
0: So why the expansion, why a new market? What made you guys want to open up in a different location?
1: Opportunity presented itself. Uh, there was a, um, a gentleman in State College that approached us. He's like, hey, there's a pretty you know, robust climbing community here. There's no climbing gym. The university has a small wall, but there was no place for people. And so we kind of did a little bit of research and decided that it was actually a good fit. Having some experience as far as Columbus and being a college town, we thought that would give us a little bit of a head start as far as the college, you know, Penn State. But it's a really different town. It's a different market. You know, Columbus is much bigger than State College, uh, so it's it's a different animal. But it's it's working out pretty well.
2: So all the all the locations now we got State College, uh, the one in Columbus is located where here in Columbus.
1: Uh, so we have three in Columbus. Vertical Adventures, our main location is up on the north end of town. If you're familiar with the continent, uh, that we're up near there. We're not in the continent. We're just north of there, uh, and that's our biggest facility, fifteen thousand square feet. Uh, bouldering and rope lead climbing top roping everything and then Chambers and Block Garden are our two bouldering only locations. Mm-hmm. Chambers is just right around the corner from here on Chambers Road right across from Meister's if you're familiar with that and then our newest location Block Garden is down ta- downtown near German Village. It's uh, across from the old uh, police impound lot on Whittier. So it's a, a converted warehouse
2: did you bring on any partners at any point
1: we did yeah we started our original business again me and Carrie and then another gentleman and very early on even before we opened we we realized that all three of us together knew that he didn't really want to be a part of the business long term he he was like I'll get we'll get going and you guys can buy me out so we did that pretty early on uh, that worked out well for everybody and then just before we opened, what we call the big gym, uh, the main location there. We took on uh, some additional partners uh, to get that going. So,
0: And so today we've got four locations, three locations? Correct, four, four, four total, locations. Little, yep. And what are, you, what are you guys' big initiatives right now? What are you working on right now as we kind of exit from, well, hopefully, I knock on all the wood, fingers crossed, exit yeah. the pandemic?
1: Yeah, uh, just grow the existing facilities, uh, make sure that those are all humming uh, the way we want them to be, Investing in the youth program. We just we just recently hired a, a new coach. She used to be a professional lifeguard in LA. She's a former professional surfer and skateboarder. hasn't been climbing that long, but competed on a really high level in other other sports, uh, both in skateboarding and surfing, both movement sports. And so she's going to be our new youth head coach. I think having somebody like that that competed at a high level is one of the things that we were missing in our youth program. So. We've had a successful youth program. We've had really successful, strong climbers in it and in the past and currently. So I think to grow it to the next level, that's going to be what she's going to bring to the table. And what is the, it?
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what does the community look like now?
1: Uh, it's really diverse. Uh, younger, older. We've got three-year-olds climbing. we got 80-year-olds climbing. Uh, we got everything in between. So 80-year-olds climbing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All ages. So Uh, members. uh, We have, you know, the majority of the people that use the facility are members. They come two or three days a week. Uh, Some people climb once a week. Some people climb more often than that. Uh, We still do a lot of groups, birthday parties, scout troops, youth groups, that kind of thing. Uh, A little bit of everything. So church groups, uh, work groups, a bunch of people from an office will come together and come and climb after work for a little while or you know, maybe do a long lunch or something, and come and climb, use the facilities. So, uh, yeah, just continuing to to grow those existing facilities. No, no plans right now to expand. Uh, opening two during COVID was challenging, so it's going to take us a few uh, minutes to get our bearing as far as what what the world's going to look like coming out of COVID.
0: No, it makes a lot of sense. What I'm curious about is what does a climbing competition look like? So, you guys you guys have youth competitions, and I've I've watched the olympics is it all like the olympics where it's just speed up this
1: that's a great question there are adult and youth competitions and they are generally formatted the same or very similarly there's speed climbing competitions where they set two identical ra- routes relatively easy and they just race for the world championships that's done on a 15 meter wall and i believe the current world sec- world record i believe is just under 5 seconds and that's a standard route it never changes just like the you know, 100-meter dash, if you want to have a championship event, you know, the surface has to be the same, everything, the lines have to be the same. So if you're going to do a world championship event or a Olympics, it has to be on a quote-unquote certified wall. Uh, we have a 10-meter a wall at our gym, so it's not tall enough to do championship events like that. But typically nowadays, big events are done like in big arenas. They'll build a por- portable or temporary wall. And so that is one facet or one component of climbing competitions. In some ways, it's a little bit like gymnastics where you have a specialist, someone that's really good on the balance beam or really good on the parallel bars, and maybe they don't even bother with the other events, right? And then you have the all-around, which is the best athlete on all the events. Climbing competitions have morphed into three separate components, three separate disciplines. There's the speed climbing, which is those folks are very specialized um, generally a little bit taller because they can use their height to their advantage. They can jump more between the holds. Then there's bouldering. And so bouldering competitions are not a race. They do have a time limit. They have a certain amount of time they have to complete the, we call it problem. So uh, a climb. Uh, but those walls are generally done on walls that are shorter, nine to 12 uh, meters or yards or about 15 feet-ish, Yeah, uh, a little less maybe. And then the last one is what we call lead climbing. So lead climbing, you're installing the rope as you go up. Uh, and those walls are generally going to be, I think, about also 15 meters for what they consider to be like world championship events. Our walls are, I use meters because it's an international activity. Mm-hmm. So less us like 100 meter dash or, or 100 meter, they call it 100 meter dash? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah,
0: there's 100 meter the hundred meter dash or sprint, 100 yeah. meter sprint. I yeah. don't know if it's called a sprint or a dash, but it's 100 meter. It's 100 meter, right? right. So, But you know, know what you're talking about. Yeah, everybody knows, it. yeah,
1: exactly. So in climbing, it's a 15 meter wall. That's that's the that's the Met benchmark. And then the the third discipline, which is sort of like the I don't know if it's the top discipline, but it's the for a long time it was the only discipline. Like there was only lead climbing competitions. And then they wanted to make it exciting for TV. So they added speed climbing competitions. And then now bouldering is becoming its own thing. So Now competitions, world championship events are all going to be three events, three separate disciplines. In Tokyo, they combined it all into one medal. In Paris, it's going to be two separate medals, one for speed climbing, and then one will be for bouldering and lead climbing. The skill sets for bouldering and lead climbing are more similar. Mm -hmm. The challenges are more similar, whereas speed climbing is going to be separate.
0: So does everybody get, I mean, it seems like it would be difficult to do. Everybody does does not get a medal. No, 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 no. <laughs> this, I was talking about so like in, that in would the, be in the lead climbing section, right? Yeah. If I watch someone go before me, I yeah. have an advantage because I see how they Yeah. How they scale the thing. So is it like you keep everybody from seeing the other people Exactly.
1: Climb? Yep. Everybody is uh, behind the curtain. They bring them out one at a time. Nobody okay. gets to see anybody else go. Uh, the only other sport I can think of that does that, surprisingly enough, is equestrian events. They mm-hmm. don't get to see the course beforehand. And so I think so. I'm not an equest- equestrian person, but... Climbing is unique in that way is that you have no, there is no uh, advance. You don't have any idea what's coming. Mm-hmm. You don't get to watch anybody do it because that would be a huge advantage to right. see other people tackle something and be like, oh, that didn't work. I'm not going to try that. So. Right.
0: companies, grows a highly adaptive workforce, and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode.
2: And so with lead climbing, you're talking about installing, installing the rope as you go up. How does that work?
1: So there's carabiners on the wall every every 3 feet or meter I guess if you're in in Europe or everywhere else but here and you clip the rope in as you go. So and that's, and that's you more climb authentic. up, you
0: unhook, like you unhook down here, click up here. And then... uh, actually,
1: you just leave them all clipped. So oh. at the end of the day, you have, you know, you start off, you clip the first one, and then you go another another meter approximately, and then you clip the next one. You so now it, the rope's the rope runs the rope's all running the through. through all of them.
2: And that's so that's where I'm like, I'm like, you're not going back down and unclipping no, and then yeah, going just back keep, up and clipping yep. again. And to simplify it a little safer. bit,
1: yeah, to simplify it a little bit in lead climbing, whoever gets the highest wins. And they try to build the routes progressively harder as they go, as you get higher. That's actually a whole nother world. The folks that build the routes uh, have a challenge in competition climbing. It is very challenging to build a route that's fair, that gets harder as it goes, that also has multiple places where people can fall. If you are not a good route setter for competition climbing, you set, a, you set a move in the middle of the route that's too hard. Everybody falls there. Now we don't know who won because everybody fell at the same place. Mm-hmm. So the route setters in climbing competitions have a really difficult job because they have to build routes that get progressively harder and they can't have what we consider to be a stopper move, which is a move nobody can do halfway up the route because everybody's going to fall right there. And now we have no way to split up. There's no, there's no way to know who got mm-hmm. higher. So the route setters in climbing competitions, it's a really challenging job is to build those routes that get progressively harder that are fair. So you don't want to just make the holes farther and farther apart. Cause then all you're going to know is who the tallest climber was, not who the best climber was. Right.
2: And so when you're climbing in the wild, let's say, um, hmm. are you, do, you're doing lead climbing out there, I would assume most yep. of the
1: time. Yep. So there's a, a couple of ways you can do that outdoors on real rocks. You can do what's called sport climbing where somebody has gone and installed eye bolts in the cliff ahead of time and you just need a couple of carabiners called quick draws that you can connect your rope. So you connect one to the eye bolt on the rock and then you can connect your rope to that and you install those as you go. Or if they're climbing someplace where nobody has installed those bolts ahead of time, then you can install your own temporary protection, they call it. Uh, So you would put that in and take it out, but you can still lead. You can still uh, install your rope as you go. So
2: how do you shoot something into a rock?
1: They use uh, hammer drills, cordless hammer drills, or the old way of doing it was with uh, pitons. Uh, so it's basically a spike with a, with a hole on the end of it that you would hammer into a, a crack in the wall. That's still done, but not very much anymore. It's, it's definitely, when you then take that out, you're damaging the rock. Whereas when you put the eye bolt in, yes, you're damaging the rock, but it's permanent. And so it's a little less frowned upon, I guess.
2: So you'd climb the whole thing with this hammer drill in your hand.
1: A lot of times what they would do then is they would actually rappel down from the top and they would install the bolts uh, while they're rappelling down. So they're lowering themselves down the rope and they've gotten And then the, climb up. And then they would install the bolts. And usually what they'll do is they'll do what's called top roping first. So they will, they'll see a section of a cliff that looks climbable. Uh, so they'll set up a top rope on it first, anchor at the top to uh, either set up something on a tree or uh, maybe a couple of bolts at the top. And then run your rope through the top anchor first and they'll climb it on top rope first to make sure that it's something that is worthy of being bolted. And if the rock is of good enough quality and the climb makes sense, then they might bolt it. Uh, Or if there's places that you can put what we call that temporary protection, then you might not bolt it because people can climb it using that temporary protection that you can put in and take out. Uh, So that's something that's still done pretty popular and that allows you to do climbs where no one's gone before or maybe people have gone, but they just did not bolt it. So it's a little bit more of an adventure because you don't necessarily know what's coming.
2: And do you guys do any as a club go out and and take trips or anything like that to
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, we don't have a, currently because of COVID, we don't have a, like an adult climbing club per se. Uh, There are a lot of climbers in Columbus that get together and climb, but Five Life Vertical Adventures, we don't sponsor one at the moment. Uh, It's something that we're considering, but with COVID and everything, it kind of shut all that stuff down. But there are still folks that go out and climb. Uh, They get together either in, there's actually a, a small crag just east of here now that's been opened up. And or uh, Mad River Gorge, which is near Springfield, if it's just, you know, an afternoon or they'll go if it's a longer trip, they'll go to West Virginia or Kentucky or whoever, you know, wherever, Colorado, California, Alaska, there's clim- there's cliffs everywhere. So probably one of the coolest trips I took recently was just before COVID was I went to Croatia and we went climbing there with uh, I went with my daughter and her friend. So that was a lot of fun. So we did some what we call multi-pitch climbing. So multi-pitch climbing, you're climbing longer than the length of your rope. So if your rope is 200 feet, and so if you wanna only do what we call crag climbing, then you're only gonna climb 100 feet and lower mm-hmm. down. But in multi-pitch climbing, we have a cliff that's, I think the cliff we did was 700 feet. Uh, so then you're breaking the, that into pitches. So we're doing it 100 feet-ish at a time. And so I would climb the first 100 feet, and then my partner would come up, and then, and then they would climb the next 100 feet typically. Uh, and then we would do it in pitches, kind of leapfrogging our way up the wall.
2: And so if you're doing that way, the, the longest you can fall, I guess you could fall 200 feet, right? As long as you're topped off at, at the top. Like how well, is that happening?
1: So again, you're putting that intermediate protection in. So depending on how far apart that intermediate protection is, is going to determine the length of your fall. So in theory, if you have a 200-foot rope, say your cliff is 1,000 feet and it were overhanging the entire way so you couldn't hit anything. In theory, if you had a 200-foot rope, you climb up 200 feet and fall and fall 400 feet.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. If you're if you're halfway up the wall, that would suck. And that would be a bad day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, but that is that's like the that's the theory. In practice, you're putting you're anchoring in every three, four, eight feet, so you're never really falling at that far.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. That makes that makes more sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be a uh, you would feel that tug. When you when you hit the bottom of the four hundred foot drop.
2: Well I'm thinking I'm thinking like, all right, if it's fifty feet, like, yeah, it's gonna suck, but you're gonna probably live because you're just gonna smash the side of the wall unless you hit your head or something. But four hundred feet to the side of a I wall. I don't
0: think I think you're underestimating how quickly you would fall fifty feet and hit your head. Like Yeah, fifty feet's a
1: really bad day if you hit something. So that's why we, we love climbing in Kentucky and West Virginia because so many of the walls there are overhanging. So overhanging wall means that the wall is leaning at you instead of away from you. And so with an overhanging w- f- wall, when you fall, you don't hit the wall, right? If the wall is leaning away from you, think of a ladder that's leaning away from you. When you fall, if you fall and you hit the ladder on the way down versus an overhanging, so now you're climbing, imagine the wrong side of the ladder. You're underneath it. But if you fall, you don't hit anything. So when we climb, we I, at least me anyway, I prefer to climb overhanging walls because then if I do fall, I don't hit the wall on the way down. So,
2: What's the coolest climb you've ever done? Is it the Croatia one?
1: That was pretty neat. Um, One of the, I think for me, the fun and the setting was amazing. Uh, I really also enjoyed climbing where I grew up in upstate New York. Uh, There's a really popular band of cliffs there called the Shawangunk Mountains. It's an Indian name. I don't ask me to pronounce it accurately. Also not super tall, maybe a couple hundred feet, but just the the quality of the rock, the interesting movements, that kind of thing. That's one of the things that I think really turned me on to climbing was was just the fun movement uh, that it that brought to the table. Uh, And then other areas that I've climbed that I've really had a lot of fun at where there's a place in Wyoming that we went that was really fun. And really again, Kentucky and West Virginia, to be honest, they're like two of the best climbing areas in the world and they're just right in our backyard. So living in Columbus and having access to both of those is pretty amazing.
2: Are you, I'm gonna keep asking random questions, I'm curious. Yeah, And I watched, like when I watched, I'm I'm kind of amazed that movements that people can make. Are you very flexible person?
1: Uh, not as flexible as some, but I, I can, I can get by.
2: It's an advantage, right? It is an
1: advantage. Absolutely. And that's another thing that appeals to a lot of people when climbing is it's a very gender neutral sport. I see a lot of couples that come in together, a guy and a girl that come out on a date or something, and they both are going to be equally successful or unsuccessful if they try harder climbs. Uh, but they're both going to challenge and both going to have fun. Uh, generally speaking, women tend to be smaller and maybe not as strong, but they're also more flexible and they've. Done dance and figure skating, and they can tell their foot where to go and it goes there. Whereas guys, you know, they lift weights and they play baseball, but that body control, Mm -hmm. you know, like wrestlers, martial arts, gymnasts, those kinds of activities really translate into climbing because so much of climbing is just telling your foot where to go and having your foot behave and (laughs) do what you tell it to. And because you can't pull yourself up the wall, you have to use your legs to push yourself up. So getting your feet to do what they're supposed to is by far the most important thing for climbing. Yeah. So
0: makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense.
2: What about hand strength? That's my last one. Can you yeah. crush an apple? Uh I haven't tried in a while. Do you have some? I don't have any apples. But he's I was just wow. looking, I'm it's like, it's amazing dude. that he doesn't. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I ate it he's before, usually got an apple. I on ate it before apples are actually person. very good for you. Mike knows nothing about nutrition. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> now I have average grip strength, maybe. I don't know. It's hard for me to. To say is whether, that
0: average for a climber? Is that Yeah, maybe average, it may be for, average like, for a climber. because I'm looking at your fingers. And yeah, I think I can see the muscles
1: big. in your fingers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there actually oh
0: are no muscles in your fingers,
2: it's tendons only. It. So I think you got double tendons then. Do you do you <laughs> practice like with grips, uh, those squeezer majiggers? Uh,
1: I don't do much of that. Uh I guess as I got older, I discovered that for me it was the just the time on the wall was how I could improve. But I think that when you're starting off those little activities with grip strength, that kind of stuff can really benefit. But um, as you, as you climb more, you realize that the more important thing is the technique. Uh, I, I use a martial arts example, right? So who do you want to spar against in martial arts? Do you want to spar against a 20 year old, really fit person that doesn't know what they're doing or somebody that's like 60 and out of weight, out of shape, but has been doing martial arts for 40 years.
0: The I'll, take the, I'll take the fit person every right, time.
1: Right. So, and so climbing is a movement sport, right? So it's a, it's, it's all about technique. And so it doesn't hurt to be strong, but it's more important is telling your body what to do and telling, you know, mm-hmm.
0: having your
2: body
1: do what, what you want it to.
0: Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Josh, you got any more random questions back there?
2: No, I've, I've, I mean, we could ask him what other objects he can crush with his hands. Right. <laughs> that's, that's <about> all <laughs> Try I the liquid death can.
0: Oh man. Third time <laughs> I've mentioned liquid Only death. Only if it's empty. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to kind of head towards some of our last questions of the show, Alexi. So, first one, you have any advice for our listeners and our listeners are typically right. They're going to be in Columbus area. They're yeah. interested in entrepreneurship and business and just young professionals, right? All all, all kinds of walks of life, yeah. but they're interested in learning why, you know, how people got to where they are.
1: Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, doing something that you're good at is really important. So whether that's crunching numbers or climbing or whatever, uh, find something that you're good at. Cause if you're good at it, you're going to enjoy it. And when you enjoy it, you get better at it. So whether that's Making coffee or brewing beer or cooking or whatever, you know, figure out what you are what you enjoy, and you know who is it that said the figure out what you enjoy and you'll never work a day or something. I forget what that quote is, but
0: oh man, I don't know. I know what you're talking
1: about yeah. though. Yeah,
2: it's an old one.
1: It is. But Abraham it's, Lincoln, but it, right? But it's pertinent, right? <laughs> like, so you want to enjoy, have fun. Right. That's our number one rule in the gym. When you go, when you look at the gym rules, mm-hmm. there's lots of like, you know, don't run, no chewing gum. But the first rule is have fun. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our philosophy. Have fun. That's that's the most important thing. Um, and then part of I think the other part of climbing that I haven't talked about was trust. Uh, when you're climbing and someone's holding your rope, you have to trust that person. Mm-hmm. And so, learning how to trust people is something that I still struggle with, but is something that is really important in all walks of life. Uh, you get in the car, you're the passenger, you trust the driver. Uh, if you're in business, you got to trust your employees, you got to trust your partners. Uh, so uh, that is, is is the hardest thing I think for me, and is something that I still am still trying to improve on. So.
0: Our last question on the show, Alexi, is uh, centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. So without telling you too much about uh, why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Uh,
1: Living uncomfortably. So putting yourself in positions that are not necessarily things that you do all the time. I think that when people get into a routine and they get comfortable, it's easy to just keep doing the same things over and over again. So I think that living uncomfortably means learning new skills, uh, means failing. We always say falling isn't failing. Falling is, that means you push yourself and pushing yourself is good. I think that's probably what I would throw out there as living uncomfortably. So
0: I think it's a fantastic answer. And Alexi, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time talking about five life and climbing. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that interview, you want to hear more just like them, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You'll get interviews and episodes just like this every week on Mondays. Uh, And if you want to learn more about Five Life or any of their locations, go ahead and visit Uh, Five.Life. Five.Life. And uh, look them up on the internet. Go try out some climbing. And uh, again, thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week.